Pop Sugar's Love Rants is brought to you by Yuli, an innovative online healthcare platform exclusively for women that says buck that to the traditional healthcare system. Get online and get faster access to women's health and medicine by visiting yuli.com.au. Hello and welcome to Pop Sugar's Love Rants. Before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land in which we're recording and pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. I'm Melissa Mason, a journalist, podcaster and the host of Love Rants. We're here to have conversations that get to the heart of various topics that fall under the broad umbrella of love, sex and relationships. Throughout this series, I'll sit down with someone different as we navigate the vulnerability, embarrassment and preciousness of love and self-love. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Love Rants. I am your host, Melissa Mason, and once again, I have a fabulous guest with me to talk about some fabulous things to do with relationships and how we interact with other humans. It is Tammy Sue. She is a psychotherapist and the founder of Bear Therapy. Hi, Tammy. Hi, Mel. How are you going? Good, good. So we have an interesting topic today, and I actually like have never really heard it described in this way. So we're talking about digital foreplay. Mm. So can you sort of explain what digital foreplay is for anybody who's like, what what are you guys talking about? Yeah, I mean, it's exactly what it says on the box, essentially. It's using digital tools and AI and apps to, um, to use them as foreplay. So in a way to get us excited and, and in the mood and in dating um, in the lead up to sensual acts, essentially. Do you feel like, because I feel like, I guess we're obviously talking about things like sexting and like nude photos. What are some other things that you would consider like sort of digital foreplay outside of those two? Yeah, so that's kind of the original digital mm. foreplay uh Acts. And then there's things like using AI to help you craft different sets and, and using those tools available to you, actual dating apps themselves, even pleasure toys these days have a little bit of um, digital impact where you can, for instance, uh, use a toy while your partner um, uses an app to change speeds, etc. While, um, while you're wearing it. But then there's things like... Um, you know, nudes are even digital foreplay as well. Yeah, yeah, because I feel like nudes and sexting people are probably pretty familiar with that. I'm sure most people listening Mm. have, you know, dabbled in that at some point. But the AI stuff is so interesting to me. Like AI in general is terrifying and exciting, right? It's a lot. And it's happening so quickly. It isn't, isn't. AI has actually been around for a really long time. I think it's just that ChatGPT is really sort of seeing that come to the fore. ChatGPT is like one of the fastest using apps I read the other day. But when you think about it, AI has been used in things like, you know, our Netflix streaming services or just general streaming services um, and social media algorithms to figure out what we like and things like banking to see that, you know, it's not a fraudulent transaction and and those things. That is all AI. But what ChatGPT has done is really speed up our recognition of that and and put it into the 
the vocabulary essentially. Yeah, I suppose so. And I also feel like something that is kind of a bit newer in terms of it coming out of like film and movies and into our real life is this Mm. idea of like AI as this digital being that can speak back to you and interact with you. And it's really interesting because actually before I even knew that we were doing this topic, I'm in New York at the moment and I passed these billboard ads for a new dating app that is entirely AI. You can go on there and match with AI beings, I guess. And like that has been Mm. something that's been really talked about in the AI kind of ethics and all of that with, you know, the creation of digital people that you can actually have relationships with. Yeah, the ethics of it is a whole other minefield, but it's also just a really exciting place for for psychology, but also for, you know, the, the sexology of it all. Yeah, 100%. And like I also feel like there is something in digital foreplay. Do you feel like people are a bit afraid of it as a whole? I think until you use it, um, I can see how there would be a little bit of fear there. But when you think about it, we live in such a digital age. Mm. And so using digital technology sort of means such as AI or different apps, like you mentioned, to connect with other people. It's it's not really unusual when you think about how much we are plugged in every day. Um, I think it's a case of, you know, you don't know it till you try it. I definitely feel like in the past, I've been nervous with things like sexting and nude photos because I guess it's that level of vulnerability, right, where like the Mm. first stage I would say for me would be vulnerability of putting something super sexual out there with a person without physically interacting with them. And then Mm -hmm. the second stage would be what if this leaked and we've seen that stuff happen before. Like what would you say is like ways around that I suppose that secondary one, first of all, because I think that that's like a big conversation that we're having now around, you know, consent and like what happens with your nudes and your sexts. Yes, absolutely. It's such a big topic. I think safe digital foreplay is really just about responding and not reacting. So if you are involved in it, making sure to take a beat before you um, send something that's requested of you or, you know, just questioning, is this actually something that I want to do and kind of saying, you know, am I happy with what I'm about to do being in public? Because that is a really real risk. But I think, you know, we're not not going to do it. So there are a few ways that you could do it safely. Things like if you are going to send some nudes to not put your face in any of those photos, um, to not have any identifying content in the background, you know, photos of your friends or your family in the back of any shots that you take or slipped into the mirror that you're taking that photo in. Um, Things like, you know, not saying something in a sext that you don't want seen elsewhere. You know, you shouldn't be saying derogatory stuff anyway, but it's just really being careful about what you put out there. And I think an interesting one that maybe people don't think about is just when having general conversations on apps or um, sexting to not share intimate details like your mother's maiden name or your pet's name because those sorts of things can be used to um, get through passwords. Mm. So it's just those little things to think about. Another layer of caution, I guess. It's such a complicated one though, isn't it? Because I guess it kind of ties into all the conversations we're having around consent in general where, you know, for Mm -hmm. so long, and and look, this is, to be honest, I feel like women are often the ones that are victims of 
leaked nudes, leaked sex. Like it's used in this way to kind of put us in our place or something, you know, like you've got an an ex or someone that you hooked up with who is pissed off because of how things ended and then leaks your stuff, you know, and I'm not saying. Yeah, it's unfortunately really common. Right, and I'm not saying that it doesn't happen to men at all, but like, or, you know, anybody else, but I do feel like women just in terms of what stories I've heard, it's it usually is women that this happens to. But then it kind of comes down mm, right same. to the whole thing of when we started rethinking how we talked about the ways in which women can protect themselves from, you know, being assaulted or, or being like harassed. And it was this whole thing of like, where's our line, I guess, between, oh, I, I 100% agree. I think that there are like ways that we can protect ourselves and unfortunately probably have to. But then at the same time, it's like, why is this still happening? You know? And like the conversation is so geared towards like us having to guard ourselves and not geared around like, hey, don't do this. Don't share people's sex and nudes when you didn't get permission to. Yeah, it's totally that same conversation as, you know, the women getting blamed for wearing short mm-hmm. skirts and maybe that's why they were sexually assaulted. And it's the same here, you know, don't send nudes um, because that's why they are now on the internet. But really it's um, it can be quite empowering and it can help someone to really come into themselves sexually and sensually as well and even just build confidence to, to send nudes or to to live, like I said, in that sort of digital age that we live. So putting the blame on the act rather than the act of, you know, sharing them afterwards when things go south is really um, a bit of a cop out, to be honest. Yeah, 100 percent. And that's like that confidence building element is huge because I think like we should be able to come into a new sexual confidence and we're really like encouraged socially now to like explore that with Mm. ourselves and and nudes and sexting can be a huge part of that. But I just still feel like it's that one area of like dating where we still blame that person. And I remember when, remember that nude scandal with all the celebrities and they all got leaked? Yeah. And we were just all out here judging them all. That was crazy. Yeah. And look, that was such a different time. And that was, you know, that was early on really. I mean, it seems silly to say, but the way that digital technology sort of speeds up so quickly and exponentially, that was quite early Mm. on. And the judgment there was insane. And it just, you know, it had ramifications for a really long time. Um, And unfortunately kind of put sharing nudes into the the thing, you know, that, that people can do when, when things go south. So it definitely didn't help the situation, the fact that everyone was so judgmental at that time. Yeah. And like, I, I do feel like that judgment is still kind of there. I look, I've been watching the idol, which is like, I don't know how I feel about that show. And I think that's what, how anybody that's seen it or has thought about watching it is feeling, but I was definitely curious to see how it was going to be portraying women. But I think that one interesting conversation it brought up was, again, a character in it um, has a private sex photo leaked um, and just the 
you know, talking, looking at that wave of backlash and the way that we, you know, want women to be sexual and she's this very sexual music artist who, you know, really embraces her sexuality. But then this is like a step too far for people and then they, you know, start to slut shame her. Um, It is really interesting. Mm. It's like we still really want women to be sexy and and we want to almost know that you're doing this but we don't want to see it or like you sh- it shouldn't be you know it's the blame's still going to come back on you if that stuff gets gets shared yeah you know it's it's be yourself go out and do that but only in the box that i sort of allow you mm-hmm. to fit in it, it's a funny thing it's called um the madonna whore syndrome where it's like you as a woman you need to straddle both things you know you're this this um perfect, pure homemaker, Um, you know, she does what I ask her to kind of box. And then on the other side is like very sexually free, very confident, loves to sort of, um, you know, embrace her own sexuality. But the the fact is that they're expecting uh, us to fit into one side, not to sort of be able to straddle both and, and straddling both and being vulnerable in different situations is really where we become a whole human. So it's, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know that we're moving into that actual true acceptance of women sitting in their sensuality just yet. We're definitely making strides, especially in the female community, but uh, not sure what the end and do you know what? Great will be. Do you know what is such a good example of that? Is like remember when Tommy Lee posted his own nude on his Instagram, and everyone was mm, like, "Ha oh, ha, yes. what a cool like like." I don't feel like everyone was necessarily thinking that he was cool, but the but the reaction was definitely not wow too like that's too sexual. Like it was almost like a mix of good on him and wow, that's a crazy move, but like a little bit of respect, you know. And I just don't think women yeah. would get the same reaction. No way. Instant slut shaming, I feel. Speaking of, I guess, nudes and sharing without consent, what about you've had a partner and you, in the time you've built, whether it's just a sexual partner or a relationship, you shared some nudes and then you split up. What about Mm. those nudes? Like, do you think people don't think about where their nudes are? Like, what's the protocol ethically here? Yeah, big, big question. Look, people are always thinking about that thing, you know, where are my nudes when you break up? I think it's a very scary thought that may sort of flash and come in and you might say, okay, the person respects me, the breakup was, you know, mutual or fine, so everything's going to be okay. But there's always that niggling feeling. And I think, you know, we don't want to say don't do it um, because that's, again, like we said, not realistic. What it is about is sort of the harm minimization as you do it. So, again, not putting your face in um, the photos, making sure to say, like, I'm sending this to you, um, you know, in the agreement that it that we're in this relationship and that, you know, if we ever break up, that you will send them back to me. But obviously once it's out there, it's out there. Ethically, if you're the recipient of those nudes and you have an ex-partner's nudes on your phone, the absolute number one thing to do is delete those mm. from your phone, delete them from any clouds that you have. You know, if things get better and you get back together, then you can go down that path and do it all again. But there's no reason to hold on to an ex's nudes um, that doesn't come from some sort of malicious place, really. And then outside of that, if you're the person sending the nudes, you know, it, it kind of is up to how much you trust that other person. 
And so harm minimization at the time of sending them is really the key. Yeah, I think we 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 have to straddle a line between, you know, pushing for this empowerment of like, let's stop talking about nudes like we are the ones responsible for people misusing them but then also protecting ourselves because there's like very real I guess online potential Mm. consequences that we don't deserve that can happen when we you know don't think about these things and it's it's such a difficult like complicated and and I see this you know with everything to do with consent. And I think that's what we're really like striving for in this day and age and, you know, in a way still having some protection around ourselves. Absolutely. I think, look, the the thing that is really interesting is that, you know, it still is up to us, as you just said, to be the ones that essentially say like, oh, my nude is out. I'm empowered. That doesn't matter. That's fine. Like, let's just you know, it's not great that it's out without my consent, but we also are trying to make it okay. But the reality is while we're becoming sensually um, whole people, we might be in professional jobs where that isn't recognised by the companies we represent or, you know, people lose their jobs over things yeah. like this. So it's not it's not essentially great to put the onus on the person who the nude is of. I think in Australia there is a capability where you can report any serious cyberbullying or or cyber abuse or basically non-consensual sharing of intimate images to a website mm. and they can um, work on your behalf to take it out. So that website for anyone who, who needs it or wants to write it down for the future is esafety.gov.au slash report. And that is a government website that is all about um, online safety and essentially they can track down those images. But I mean, again, by the time that they're online, the damage is sometimes done. And this is the thing is like, as much as like empowerment is amazing and it is so great that we are so much more like sexually empowered and sexually confident as women now, at the same time, like I don't think that anybody has to feel has to feel empowered by having their nude shown to the world. Like at the end of the day, you know, if I send that to one person, that was for their eyes, mm. right? And yeah, absolutely. Maybe yeah. maybe I am happy for other people to see it or maybe like within it, I do find empowerment when that happens. But at the same time, it's still a breach of trust, right? And it's like, it shouldn't be that we have to get to a point where we feel empowered by that. It's like, actually, it's completely fine if you don't want that to happen with your photo because you were only comfortable with this particular party seeing that of you. Yeah, it's just a private and intimate thing between the two of you. Yeah. Here's one, okay, because this happened to me. So I had an ex and they, bizarrely, years later, sent me one of my own nudes and Hmm. they just were like, like they just sent it and were like, good times. It was so weird. Obviously they were trying to hook up. And, like, I laugh because I just thought it was a bizarre way to do that. But I was also like, wow, I just didn't think about the fact that I've broken up with people or just, like, stopped speaking to people who just had my nudes. And, like, now I think back and I'm like, wow, that was really inappropriate, firstly, to send it back to me, but also that he had it. And I guess, like, is there any, like, I think in a dream world, it would be amazing if there were, or maybe you know that there are ways to do this, to be able to send images that could disappear. 
Yeah, first of all, that is a, just a bizarre way <laughs> to, so bizarre, uh, right? to send a sort of a you up text. <laughs> that's, that's so interesting. And it's interesting that, you know, that you had, or that the relationship had ended and then did, did you forget that the, that he had the news? Yeah, like I think if I'm really honest, and I think a lot of people out there listening would be in this boat, I have never truly said to an ex or to somebody that I had sent photos to, please delete these after we've stopped seeing mm. each other. I just, I actually think maybe I'm too trusting. Maybe I just assumed if he's got these photos of me, do other pe- men that I've dated have photos of me? Are they using them? Because that's not something I consent to because I'm not seeing them anymore. Like in a perfect world, I think it would be amazing if you could just delete things that you've sent to other people when you would like to. And that would be an amazing thing for them to invent. But I guess, you know, I know we have like Snapchat, but are there other ways that people can send nudes in a safer way for themselves, I suppose? Look, I think sending anything where there is cloud or there is, um, you know, where where it's an app where you do not own the data. And I mean, this is where it comes into reading the terms and conditions before you click accept. But really, who who does that these days? Um, You know, it's it's a risk. It could be um, a situation where the person who receives it might do a quick screenshot or might, you know, save it down or they have it there and and when the nudes are being sent to the person that they're not actually alone. They might be with a bunch of people and showing the nudes around. So that's that's always a risk. I think a really fun way to do it could be to take photos when you're physically together and... um, and you're still then sort of dabbling in sexting, but you're physically in the room together and you can see, you know, the deletion as it's happening. Mm. But again, that being said, the whole point of, of nudes is often when it's long-term relationships or we can't be together at the moment and we're both really turned on and we want to be, you know, playing with each other in that in that way. So there's a level of risk that comes with that, just like there's a level of vulnerability that comes with dating someone. And I think, you know, in your situation, you obviously were in those relationships not thinking that there's an end sort of expiry mm-hmm. date on them. And so that trust is there. Unfortunately, that's just a part of the human condition that we need to trust people in terms. And until sort of everyone gets a bit more clued in on consent and just respectful digital foreplay, it's going to be a situation where the risk is there. Now, we just want to take a moment to share about our sponsor, Yuli. Yuli is saying buck that to the traditional healthcare system by offering a hassle-free online service that empowers women with a modern approach to discreet, convenient healthcare and medicine. Get faster access to medical certificates, treatments and prescriptions like the contraceptive pill, emergency contraception such as the morning after pill, acne treatments, weight management, sexual health, even assistance to help you quit vaping. And it's all delivered to your door or inbox thanks to their innovative online health service. So say buck that and get on Online by visiting Yuli at yuli.com.au to get your health sorted. I want to pivot to talking about digital foreplay positively because there are so many positives in this field and I think that, you know, for all the ethics of it at the same time, there's some great, great ways to connect with somebody else when you're not obviously in the same room. And I think long distance relationships, I think that this really plays in to that and what you were talking about with sex toys and distance, like can you think of other ways that long distance couples can kind of have a really healthy sex life when they can't physically be in the same place as each other? Absolutely. And this is where 
the digital age like really thrives. It's wonderful to keep people connected who might be long distance temporarily or over, you know, several years at a time. But the pleasure toy apps these days are incredible. Um, there are some really great ones where, you know, you might have a, a pleasure toy like a vibrator that one person wears and then the other person has the app on their phone that can then change speeds, change intervals, change the pulsing and while the other one's wearing it. So it's kind of like a little surprise where you might have a little date night and be talking on the phone or, or all of a sudden say, hey, I'm going to wear this during the day, you know, my pleasure is up to you and it's a nice way to be connected and sort of intimate without Mm. um, being physically together, which is kind of great. And I know, um, you know, when we were just prepping for this episode, you mentioned um, an app where you can touch through AI with another person and that's more sort of in the initial stage um, of a relationship where you can... Yeah, tell us about that one. Well, what I really liked about this, so this is a dating app that is partnered with an art, like a digital art company to create like a site where you essentially activate your camera, which really terrified me because I was like, I didn't really know what I was getting into. So I was like, just I'm going to play with this just for this episode and like see what it does. But it doesn't actually take your photo. It sort of takes it but distorts it. So you absolutely can't identify Mm. yourself and you become like this almost this sort of like sort of, Uh, colourful ball orb and then into that space of your screen other little orbs kind of come in and again you can't see any defining features they're sort of just like waves of colour that I guess knowing my face I can see my hair and like my lip in that but you can't actually identify if that makes sense and then using Mm. your keyboard you can actually move your ball and interact with other balls in the space and it's they they sort of squish together and it's it's quite like a sensual looking I wouldn't say it turned me on I'm going to be honest but it was an interesting <laughs> concept of touch through a computer where you were anonymous and but there's still consent there because obviously if the ball doesn't want to be touched it wouldn't be in the screen or it would go away from you or whatever like it's not the physical interaction isn't so overtly sexual that it's intense at any time. It's just kind of an interesting way to explore Mm. touch through a computer. And I thought this is so amazing for people who maybe are nervous about the idea of interacting sexually with strangers or interacting sexually in general. It was just like a really nice entry Mm. level. I think the idea of AI sex online and, and, and any sexual interactions online where you're in a space where you're not, you know, you're, you're more anonymous, I suppose. I think it gets a bad rap, yeah. right? Like I think generally we, we see it as just kind of seedy, to be honest. Like I think it's always gotten a seedy rap. But actually, if you think about it, how wonderful if all parties involved are consenting participants and of age and everything like that, right? But if, if you can explore your sexuality with AI or in that anonymous space, I think that's a really fantastic thing for gaining confidence, Absolutely. I actually love the sound of that app for that exact purpose in that you can connect with other people. I think one of the things that does get a bit of a bad rap through digital foreplay and just digital connection sexually on sex apps, etc., is the actual connection. And by that, I mean, you know, true um, community type feel because, you know, on apps, we can just swipe 
consistently right 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 until we you know um are playing a numbers game essentially but this where it's like you said consent connection in a time when a lot of us could be online like how great would this have been during covid pandemic where you're stuck at home that sort of thing i love i think you know i see a lot of young people in my work at bear therapy who are sort of afraid to use the phone to call people you know afraid Mm. to have conversations where you're one-on-one or IRL, you know. Um, And so this sort of thing where digital space is a first step to exploring your sensuality is a really great thing. And, And leaning into that and using a language that you're comfortable with, that being technology, is, you know, a great way to start to build confidence in that space as you as you mature. And I also think about this with like, you know, porn and like different types of porn. Like I have this friend who, you know, started to like, like, I guess didn't have like a low sex drive, but just kind of wasn't really aware of it or wasn't really in touch with it. And, um, she started getting into Mm. erotic fiction, um, which is obviously a form of porn that I think, I mean, I suppose we kind of talked about it since like 50 shades and that sort of thing, but this was more like online, like proper, like sex scenes and that sort of thing. And she started to read that. And then it was more out of curiosity. And then she actually just got really into it, got a vibe like found herself sexually and that really ricocheted into all these other areas of her life. Yeah, porn on online is just an incredible space to talk about and, you know, I could talk about it for for hours. I think what I do really want to touch on quickly is, is your friend and how, um, you know, you mentioned that she sort of found herself mm-hmm. and it ricocheted into other parts of her life. I, I love that. Low sex drive is actually really common in people who are really digitally connected. And that's because we are so used to just seeing like flashes of information and we become a little bit sort of desensitized to it. And so um, until there's that real immersion with something and we get into a bit of a flow state, um, we can really get like a bit of a low libido off the back of just being super, super connected. Really? So finding something that works like your friend finding the the um, fanfic, that's awesome. She obviously really loved that and could immerse self fully into that. Um, porn, as long as it's ethical porn, is um, absolutely, I'm a huge proponent for it. And by that I mean, you know, by a director who is using a cast um, and who has a uh, intimacy coordinator and those sorts of real proper um, ethical ethically made essentially porn, which I think there's um, someone called Erica Lust who does Mm. that quite well. Then in terms of, you know, it it kind of blurs nudes being sent and then putting up nudes online. Things like Reddit are are covered in nudes where people are self-putting them up or being put up for them. And so it's just about how we consume porn as well as to whether that's done in the right way because, again, you could be looking at it constantly and, and porn addiction is very real. So yeah. finding what works for you and doing it in small spaces and, and in small bits rather than sort of diving so far in that it becomes all-consuming is um, is probably the best way to approach that. And, like, what are some ways, I suppose, that you can incorporate and use porn in, in a relationship or in a, I guess, like couple sense as a digital foreplay? Mm, I love when couples 
say that they're going to integrate porn into their lives because it's a really great way to identify what it is you like, what it is you don't like, but also comfortably talk about it Mm -hmm. because there's like this third space that you can direct the attention to. So it could be as simple as scrolling through a bunch of different videos on an ethical porn site and then saying, you know, I like that person, I don't like that person, I like what they're doing, I really don't like what they're doing. Hey, wouldn't it be cool to try something like that one day? Just while you're sort of lying together, naked, touching. But um, it's really just using it as a spark of a conversation is a really great way to think of porn first and foremost and not as something that you need to compare your own lives to. I think when we think about porn, sometimes we think, oh, my gosh, it's so hectic or it's so graphic or Mm. it's so, you know, unrealistic, which, don't get me wrong, it absolutely is if it is the wrong kind of porn for you. But when you find the right kind of porn, so by that I mean ethically made shows diversity in the types of people that are featured, in the types of moves that are made, in the way that vulvas look even, um, you can really start to have some really beautiful conversations about what you're into and what maybe might not be right for you guys. And also I suppose like looking at it as a fantasy, not as you know, like something to necessarily replicate even. Like I think there's forms of porn where it's like, you know, you might enjoy watching that, it might turn you on, but you don't necessarily want that done to you in real life. And I think a really good example of that is like, and people are really talking about this online at the moment, is this normalisation of choking where people are getting into that, right, in sex because they've seen it in porn and without actually asking for the consent and obviously it can be incredibly dangerous and also incredibly triggering and 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 traumatic if someone doesn't want that done to them yeah that sort of stuff where you know choking is normalized and and normalized from the fact of you know one person doing it but also the other person just receiving it because they expect that that is what sex Mm. is it's really quite problematic um you know not only is it dangerous if done incorrectly but it sort of sets up in sex as something that straight off the bat can be um, quite violent and it it reduces that sort of connection that can happen with quite sensual loving sex. And it's funny because I've actually had clients come to me and say, you know, the first time that I had sex, I let the man, you know, come on my face because I thought that's what sex was. I thought that's just how you finish because the only experience was with porn where that had happened. And so it's about being curious. So consuming porn, what's happening, but also, you know, consume lots of different places where you can get that and and consume storylines that are inspiration, but not aspiration. And I think that was like sort of going back to you talking about couples watching it and it being kind of this nice way to gauge what you like and don't like and what, you know, your partner likes Mm. and doesn't like. I think that is so powerful because I still think as much as we talk about sex more openly these days, a lot of people still find it very uncomfortable and 
even with someone that you really trust and you're in a loving relationship with, it can be really difficult, I think, to like start those conversations. So I think that's also like a really nice factor of engaging in, you know, digital ways, whether it's porn or whether it's like apps that are starting up where, you know, you and your partner can like input information and do like a little quiz and helps you find Mm. out more about yourself sexually and what you guys like and like apps where information and sex moves to try and and like conversation starting questions and all of that kind of stuff that's online and and I guess feels maybe a little bit less confronting than sitting down and having that face to face conversation because not everybody's comfortable with that. No, it is super rare these days for people to be comfortable to have a face to face conversation about something where they need to get vulnerable. And it's it's interesting but again coming back to us being in that digital age where we are just more comfortable literally, you know, sitting in the same room with someone and sending a text to them about something they want to talk about rather than having that conversation IRL and that definitely comes into the space where sex is in because ultimately that is you know where we are at our most vulnerable you know when we have sex there's weird noises we're naked we're completely bare it's something where you know looking into somebody's eyes is very confronting as you said so being able to use different apps or having something else that sort of redirects your attention outside of just the two of you but to that third thing so to the laptop screen or to the phone or through the app is a way to sort of say what you like but while minimizing the shame that might come with rejection or that fear of rejection of oh you're into that that's a bit weird I don't want to do that but by doing it digitally you're able to sort of remove the vulnerability from it a little bit or at least water it down. Yeah, and, like, I can tell that there would be people thinking, oh, wait, isn't this just encouraging us to be less connected in real life with people? But at the same time, I think we have to be honest that the digital age has very much taken over our lives. Like, the screen is really a huge part of our lives, whether it's our phone or our laptop or whatever. And I do think, sure, like, you know, build up to being able to have that conversation, but this is potentially a way that you can get that conversation happening like you you go over the hurdle of like you know filling out these forms or or watching you know porn together and then that sparks a comfortable space to have that conversation without that fear there absolutely I think look really like words and sexting and porn they're just one part of dating but that touch and that eye contact and that you know the drum roll before your legs touch on the first date that sort of stuff those all trigger dopamine that that happy hormone that essentially spike when we experience something pleasurable and no amount of digital connection is going to sort of overcome that true vulnerability connection that you get in person. Um, I wanted to also talk about the foreplay concept, right? Because I think we've always considered Mm. foreplay be something that happens right before sex. And it's something that we do in the bedroom and we do as we're getting naked, but we're really talking about something bigger than that. What's an example, I suppose, of like long-term foreplay or like, like long, you know, (laughs) Totally do. Yeah, absolutely. Look, we are so busy these days. We are juggling work and family and careers and, you know, everything, our health, that the fact that we're expected to sort of say, okay, now it's time for sex, let's do some foreplay, quickly get in the mood, <laughs> is um, it's just not realistic. Like it, for some people, awesome, great. But a lot of us, you know, it's struggling to switch into that mindset or switch off our minds to really focus in on the on the journey. So long-term digital foreplay is fantastic for planting the seed 
of sensuality throughout the day. One of the most commonly used ones that we really want to pay our dues to is sending sex while you're at work to your long-term partner and saying, oh, I can't wait to see you tonight. I'm going to be wearing this when you get Mm. home or I'm going to be giving you a good massage, kind of talking about what it is that you want to do when you get home so that there's that little bit of excitement throughout the day. There's already a bit of a drum roll as to what's going to happen and that can lead to, you know, seeing them and jumping on them right away or seeing them and saying, okay, cool, I just need to get this thing done but I am so into it. I know what's coming. This is exciting. Yeah, except you definitely don't want to do it the way it happens in Bridget Jones, right, where she like calls. Remember when she calls him and like starts talking into the speakerphone and she doesn't realize she's yeah. on speaker and he's in the room with her. <laughs> that is like my worst nightmare. Like truly, I feel like that scene has like stayed buried in my brain. <laughs> uh, I feel like just a quick, are you alone? It might be. <laughs> might be the way yeah. to go. Maybe just check in first if you're going to do a, a, a voice note or a, uh, yeah, a call. Well, thank you so much, Tammy, for chatting with me. This has been such an interesting conversation. I think there's so much more to come in the digital foreplay world. And I think we're only just like starting to see it, but it's really exciting to talk about some things that I guess used to kind of be a bit taboo or like not really considered part of sex and, and really looking at ways they can actually benefit us as people. Yeah, thanks, Belle. No, it's such an interesting topic and one that goes so deep and is only going to get more and more interesting as more apps come to light. Yeah, and thanks everyone as always for listening and stay tuned next week for another episode of Love Rants. Bye. Thank you for tuning into Pop Sugar's Love Rants. Join us again next week as we navigate the vulnerability, embarrassment and preciousness of love and self-love. Follow yuli.com.au on Instagram and TikTok to stay up to date on all things women's health.